All right, tonight is our grand finale. Are you ready? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Exodus 25 is our main text. Exodus chapter 25, we read from verse 1. And I'm reading. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them. Gold. Somebody say gold. gold. Keep reading with me. Silver, Silver. and brass. And brass. Blue, Blue. Purple. Purple. Scarlet. Scarlet. Fine linen. Fine linen. Goat's hair. hair. Ramskins dyed red. Badger skins, skins. shooting wood, wood. oil for the light, light. spices for anointing oil, oil. and for sweet incense, incense. onyx stones stones. to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Can I hear an amen, Bazalan? We've explained already what all those things mean. I'm not going to go back to them. Sorry for those of you who were not able to make the beginning of this. You can get the CDs and learn from that. However, in the building of the tabernacle, the purpose is revealed there in verse 8. God says that, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. In other words, God is saying, I want to be among my people. I want my presence to be among my people. That has always been God's design. That has always been God's desire. Excuse me. That has always been God's will. The presence of God among his people. So the anointing is simply the presence of God upon our lives. The anointing is God in us, God upon us, God among us, God with us. And it is this presence of God that comes in our lives in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so when you came into the tabernacle, from the entrance you will note, and let's have the picture of the tabernacle, there seems to be a progression When you came from the entrance, as you can see there, there is a progression. You move from the gate, and you move all the way to the Holy of Holies. So, as you move into the tabernacle, you are moving closer and closer to the presence of God. That that is really what God wants, for His presence to be in our lives. Amen. Amen. Look at the name and say, what's wrong with your amen tonight? (laughs) Tell them, the bishop doesn't feel your amen tonight. So it is through the tabernacle, therefore, that God gives the keys to getting closer to his anointing. We move from the entrance, we move all the way to the holy place and further on into the holy of holies. And we are studying what all these things mean. What is their significance? What is their prophetic significance for us to be able to enter the anointing. So it is through the tabernacle that God gives us keys to enter into his presence. 
or as we have put it, keys to the anointing. So let's go. The first key to the anointing is through the entrance gate. You remember that? And then the entrance gate, what we said was this entrance gate was made out of linen. And this linen came in four different colors. Let me see how good students you are. What's the first color? Yeah, second color? Uh-huh. Yeah. What are, a pardon? And white. I thought you'd say fine linen, but that's the color is white. You are right. Anyhow, okay, now. Blue speaks of what? You're already failing. After you're already failing. Forgive. Blue speaks of what? Jesus, the Son of God. Purple speaks of what? Royalty. Jesus who? The King. Scarlet thread speaks of what? Hello? Jesus, the Savior, through his blood that was red. Because scarlet is red. Scarlet thread. Fine linen, which is white, speaks of what? Jesus, the perfect sinless man. So, as you come to the gate, you already see the four offices of Jesus. You also see the four gospels of Jesus. Because in John, Jesus is blue. In Matthew, Jesus is purple. Arachong hair. In Luke, Jesus is red. And in Mark, Jesus is what? Jesus is white. And so just as you enter, God is already showing you there is no way you can even begin to know the anointing if you don't know the fullness of who Jesus is. And I said to you, it's strange these days that there's a lot of anointing paraded, but very little of Jesus that is spoken about. So we have come through the entrance door to know the fullness of Jesus. When we know Jesus as king, when we know Jesus as Savior, when we know Jesus as our high priest, when we know Jesus as the sinless perfect man who is touched with the feelings of our infirmity, that opens the door for us to move into the anointing of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number two, after you go through the entrance, the first thing you hit there is that thing there, the altar. We know it is at the altar of burnt offerings or some call it the altar of sacrifice or the brazen altar. This is where animals were sacrificed. A lot of blood was spilled there. It was brought there before God. So that leads us to the second key. And the second key to the anointing is the blood of Jesus Christ. The only safe filter to access the power of God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is why, as I told you yesterday, when the early believers preached the gospel, they always talked about the blood. Any preaching of the gospel that doesn't talk about Jesus, the one who died on the cross, Jesus, the one whose blood was spilled on the cross, then there is a problem there. The only safe filter, as I said yesterday, the only safe filter, as we said yesterday, is the supernatural through Jesus. When we enter because of his blood, and we come because of his name. His anointing will work in our lives. And we are glad that we will come in contact with the right anointing. Not the Bombay anointing. We will have the anointing which works. Because note, as we said yesterday, the anointing always works with the blood. 
Because where the blood is, that's where the oil is. Let me read you some scriptures. In Exodus chapter 29, verse 21, and I read the New Living Translation. It says, Then take some of the blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and his sons and on their garments. So it is the blood, it is the oil. Somebody say the blood blood. and the oil. Say it again, the blood blood. and the oil. Tell your neighbor where the blood is, there the oil will be. When you talk about the blood of Jesus, tell them when you talk about the blood of Jesus, then the anointing will be there. In Leviticus chapter 14 verse 7, it's very interesting when it talks about the cleansing of the leper. This is how it reads. It says the priest will then apply some of the oil in his palm over the blood. Is the oil over the blood. From the guilt offering that is on the lobe of the right ear and the thumb of the right hand and the big toe on the right foot of the person being purified. The oil always works with the blood. So the anointing is released, Bazalona, as we focus on Jesus, the one who hung on the cross and the blood that flowed on the cross. Are you ready for key number three? Yes. All right. Once you pass this altar of sacrifice, then you come to this thing and I think they'll give us a better picture of the laver. So you come to the laver, which was a very interesting thing. That's a nice one. You come to that, that thing there. It's called the laver. Hey, I like that picture. That's a nice picture, so you must show it again next time. Now that laver you can see, it almost looks looks like a saucer and a cup. And that laver is actually made out of brass. All right, now note... Two important things about that laver. It was made out of brass, and they would fill it with water. So before the priest could go through that gate there or that door there, he would have to wash himself. Both the feet and the hands in that laver. Very interesting. We are told that the brass of this laver came from what they called the looking glass of the women. These looking glasses were mirrors that were made out of brass. Or it was hand mirrors which women gave over as an offering when God asked. So this laver really was like a mirror. So this bronze laver, which was a mirror, would be filled with water. Watch. So to go to the anointing, let's, let's see the picture. To go to the anointing, you must first go through the mirror and the water. Oh, Jesus. Now watch what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Ephesians 5, 25. And this is how it reads. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Note. And gave himself for it. That's not where to say amen. We are coming to the amen part. <laughs> I think Uspotile somebody. That's why or amen. So. Jesus. Or oh, you fought with your wife. You are trying to make up in church here. Yeah. Verse 26. That he might, watch this. That he might sanctify and do what? Yes. With what? 
With what? Let's have our picture again. Let's have our picture. So before you go into the presence, for you to access the anointing, you've got to be washed with the word. Ah. No word, no anointing. In fact, the word carries the anointing. The word is the anointing. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 it says Let us draw near With a true heart In full assurance of faith Having our hearts sprinkled From an evil conscience And our bodies washed With pure water So the laver has the water But also the laver is a mirror James 1.22 Tells us something about The mirror James 1, 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Next verse. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass or in the mirror, as some translations say. So you can see, when James wrote about that, he's pulling all the way back. I told you that the, 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 the Old Testament is revealed in the New. When they, let's have the labor. When they were washing in the labor, they didn't understand what it meant. The priest did what he did, not understanding what he meant. And you and I, years later, God tells us what the mirror is. It is the word. God tells us what the water is. It is the word. Can I hear an amen? amen. So that is our key number three. Watch this. It's important. So the third key is the anointing is in the word. Where the word is, that's where the anointing is. You want to see the anointing? Preach the word. You want to have the anointing? Preach the word. You want to experience the anointing? Familiarize yourself with the word. As a matter of fact, I found out many times people have received from God as we preach the word. Because you can never divorce the anointing from the word. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, I love it, Hebrews chapter 11, when you go to verse 3, verse 1, and it talks about how God at sundry times, no, no, Hebrews chapter 1, God who at sundry times spoke to our fathers through the prophets, he said, but he has in these days spoken to us through his son, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and then he says, and upholding all things upholding all things by the word of his power in other words the word of god is the power of god say it with me the word of god is the go to mark matthew mark chapter 16 rather mark chapter 16 verse 20 mark chapter 16 verse 20 this is after jesus told them to go to in the world it says note and they went forth and did what I have a long fella. They did what? Please. They did what? Please. They did what? Please. I can't hear you. They did what? Please. They did what? Please. What are they preaching? Please. What are they preaching? Please. That's the labor. That's the labor. They are preaching the word of God. Now watch, watch the verse. Watch, watch, watch. Eating the Lord. Eating the Lord. And doing what? With what? Ah. The word, the oil. 
the word, the anointing. So that's the third key. If you want to know the anointing, familiarize yourself with the word. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. This one I've got to read it to you. Acts chapter 10. Are you loving it? Are you learning tonight? Somebody say the word. The The oil. oil. Say it again. The word. The The oil. In Acts chapter 10, we read about Peter who went to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius one day had had an encounter with an angel who told him to send for Peter to come to his house and the angel says for when he comes, he will tell you words through which you will be saved. In the meantime, Peter was in the upper room, was rather, up, uh, was upper, was rather at his place praying. And as he prayed, the Bible says he saw a, some, a, a, something being brought from heaven with all kinds of creatures in it. And the voice said, kill and eat. You all know the story. And as he was wondering what this meant, the voice said to him, there's a man who has come here from Joppa. He's looking for you. And this man, when he comes to you, he says, you must go with him, nothing doubting. And when you get there, you've got to preach my word. So yes, Peter, he doesn't know what's going on. He goes with Cornelius. They go all the way to the house. And when he gets there, he finds a house filled with Gentiles. Peter wasn't sure if Gentiles could be saved. He wasn't sure because he was a Jew and he didn't really realize that God also has brought this gospel for the Jews. At least he becomes faithful to the mission. He starts preaching. He starts preaching. He starts preaching. That's the labor. He starts preaching. He starts preaching. He starts preaching. He starts preaching. Oh, I love it. In verse 44, God doesn't wait for him to make the altar call. It says, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Ghost fell. The Holy Ghost fell. The Holy Ghost fell on all which heard the word. When we preach, the Holy Ghost falls. When we bring the word, the power falls. When we preach, the anointing comes. God didn't wait for him to make the altar call. As he was preaching, the Holy Ghost falls. It says, and the Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard his word. Oh my goodness. And they of the circumcision that came with Peter were astonished. Because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. It's the word and the oil. That's the third key. And then, as you went right into the area there, after the word, you came into this place called the holy place. Now, this place is very interesting. It had these poles, five poles, layered in gold. So as, as, you, as, you, as you come in through the door, you see the five poles. Very interesting. Now, these five poles are not the key. But it's very interesting to talk about them. I want to talk about them. These five poles are very interesting because... They symbolize something that is quite amazing. They symbolize the, the five-fold ministry. <laughs> already that time, God was already telling the people about the five-fold ministry. Now watch, 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 watch. This place is called the holy place. You see there's a curtain the other side that is covering the poles. Watch, this is important. It's not a key, but it's nice to learn. 
How many of you like something that is nice to learn? So as you came, you see, you see the fivefold ministry. Now watch now. Now the fivefold ministry, let's talk about them. It's what? Who's this one? The apostle. Why? Because he can touch all other fingers. Okay, so you must get your left hand. Okay, this is the apostle here. The apostle can operate in all other offices. Then we have the prophet. Then we have the one who's sticking out there, going out, the evangelist. Then we have this one, the lover of them all. Then we have this one, the teacher. All right? Yeah. So here, watch it. It's the five fingers that make the hand of God. So, ah, uh, you're not hearing what I'm saying here. Watch, Mazarana. Watch, watch, watch. This is so interesting. This is so interesting. As you come here, you see the fivefold ministry, but they're not the key to the anointing. They're just there to lead you. So when you go through the curtains, when you look back, the fivefold ministry disappears. The fivefold ministry is the key to lead you to God. They are not God. Ah, you're not hearing me. God uses them as a door. But the minute you get into the presence of God, you forget about them because they are just an instrument that God is using. Somebody shout to the Lord, hallelujah. Somebody shout to the Lord, hallelujah. Now watch, watch, watch. It's very interesting that this curtain was actually called truth. So it's the truth. The fivefold ministry brings the truth of the word that leads you into the presence of God. Now, let's have the picture of the tabernacle, that first picture here. Not this one, the other one. We'll come back to this one. Let's have the other picture. There we go. Now, watch this, Pastor It's very interesting that that veil that you saw is this one here. Those five poles. You remember, ne? But you also had this gate. All right, now, inside here, there's another veil in there that separated the holy of holies. Watch, 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 watch. This door was actually called the way. Ah. This here was called the truth. And the veil that separated the Holy of Holies was called the life. Mamela, Mamela Mbazala. You see, when Jesus spoke to the Jewish people, when he said to them in the book of John that I am the way, the truth, and the life, your non-Jewish mind doesn't understand what he's talking about. But the Jewish mind says, oh, he's saying he's the only way to God. Know what he says? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to them. But by me. Come on, give him a hand of praise at this hour. So when you got into the holy place, now leads me to the next key. As you get into the holy place, you look to your left, you see the lampstand. 
Remember, that is just that they've opened it, but it's usually closed. So you come through there, it's closed. So they're just trying to show you. Okay, so that's the veil. This is the, it's the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus was talking about. All of the, that's what they were called, actually, in Hebrew. So as you, as you get into the holy place, you see it's a small lanyana room. You look to the left, there is a lampstand. Now, and this lampstand was a golden lampstand, and they had light on it all the time burning. Now, that's the fourth key to the anointing. Light and lampstand always speak of revelation knowledge. Always speaks of enlightenment. That is why the Spirit, when he spoke to the church in Ephesus, in Revelation chapter 2 verse 5, God said to the church at Ephesus, remember from whence you have fallen. Repent and do your first works, or else I will come and remove your candlestick. Once you lose revelation, you lose the anointing. Because it is through the revelation of God's word, the vibrancy of the life of God's word that we apply in our lives, that we have access to the anointing. Once the word is dead, then we are all sunk. See, when revelation leaves your life, you sink into form and tradition. And this is what is so interesting with the preaching of the word. I remember when I got saved on the 5th of August, 1978, it wasn't that I heard something that I hadn't heard before. I heard the same scriptures that were read in my church, John 3:16, for God so loved the world. But on this day, there was enlightenment. Ah. On this day, there was revelation. And when I received revelation, I received Christ who brought revolution in my life. I could have been saved years before had I received revelation. That is why when Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 1, he prays for them that they should get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because you see, if you read God's word and it's just a dead book to you, if you read God's word and it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, if you read God's word and it's just form and formality, then you will never experience the anointing. Why? Because the letter kills. But revelation, the spirit gives life. Yeah. We need to pray for revelation in our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? So as you looked over here, you saw revelation. But then you look to the right. As you look across from where the lampstand is, you see this, the table of showbread. Very interesting. This bread that was here was sprinkled with frankincense. Watch this now. That's key number five. Frankincense has a sweet smell, but a bitter taste. <laughs> so frankincense in scripture speaks of persecution. You and I being persecuted. Watch. Persecution, though bitter to us, it's sweet to God. Now watch, watch, watch. When you read Mark chapter 4, verse 16 to 17, if you can have it up on the screen. 
When Jesus talks about the sower and the word, and he explains what he means. Yeah, the word is sown, revelation comes. The word is sown, revelation comes your way. Note what it says. He says, these are the ones who were sown in stony ground, who when they have heard the word, they receive it with gladness. When, when revelation comes, they do what you did. You stand and you are glad. That's revelation. The word is brought. They're glad because of revelation. But note, next verse, verse 17. But they have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a time. Afterwards, somebody say afterwards. You see, after you've heard the word, after you stood here, after you said amen, after you shouted hallelujah. Afterwards, note, when what? When affliction or persecution ariseth for what? For the sake of the word. In other words, when you get revelation and you try to act on the word of God, you're going to be persecuted. Yeah. Some of you, you got revelation to do certain things in a certain way. When you try to do it, they persecuted you. Yeah. And all you did is just to try and act on the revelation. So you learn that if I'm going to have the anointing, whether they persecute me or they don't persecute me, I am going to do what God has said. Yeah. Yeah. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord because that's the, what the word says. It's a bitter experience to you, but it suits to God. And that's the key to the anointing. That when you have received the truth of God's word and you try to live by it, you don't allow people to criticize you for it. You don't allow people to persecute you for it. Here you are in your family, you decided you're not going to do certain things. Now when they meet, they leave you out, they ostracize you. It may be bitter to you, but it's sweet to God. Ah, it may be bitter to you, but it's going to lead you in the anointing. I see you being led in the anointing in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. I remember when I, when I became a Christian, I lost, I lost a lot of my friends. One of the guilty ones is sitting right here. But Jesus found him. Bless him. Yeah. You remember, my friend, I'm telling them about you today, Kiaopaisa. You remember? Because these were the dark days of, you know, of Zabalaz. Or it was not dark, but it was the days of Zabalaz. And this brother used to call me an Uncle Tom. I was telling all these people, you used to call me an Uncle Tom. Yeah, I lost my friends. I lost my friends. The lady who used to sit with me in class. The same desk. The day I told her, I That's persecution. It's bitter when you make a decision for Christ. Some of you, you are new believers. You're trying to get out of alcohol. You're trying to get out of stuff. And instead of your family encouraging you, they are criticizing you. Bahubitsamamrut. Bahubitsabishop. Yeah, yeah. They're not relating with you. They are leaving you out. It's persecution. It's bitter to you. But my goodness is sweet to God. And if you stay on that revelation, you're going to experience the anointing. Can I hear an amen? Listen what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, Jesus. I'm trying to slow down. This is too good. I better slow down a bit. Hey. Hey. 
He says, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. Give it to me in the New Living Translation. I'll read it in this one. He says, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. And he explains what that thorn in the flesh. He says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul says, all I did is to receive revelation. Because almost three quarters of the New Testament was written by Paul. He said, all I did was to get revelation. And because of the revelation, now I have a messenger of the devil who is buffeting me. I haven't sinned. I haven't robbed any bank. I haven't done anything wrong. All I'm trying to do is to follow Jesus. And all because of following Jesus and having a revelation of the word of God, I am being persecuted. He says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. That's all there is. All you did is to receive revelation from the word. You are trying to walk in healing. You are trying to walk in victory. You've just discovered that healing is for you. That's all you are trying to do. And all that you're trying to do, then you get attacked. Yeah, it's bitter to you, but I sweet to God. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't backslide in Tanasekai. Pay the price. I was telling them today at the leadership session we had that in the 80s, when some of us came into ministry, I always remember 1983, 81, 82, 83. Because the charismatic churches were still new. And the preaching Yaruna was different, you know. It had revelation. I'm not saying other people didn't have revelation. But at least there was some revelation that was bringing revolution. And it was causing reaction from the rebels. We were criticized so much. I will never forget one day we had a group of theologians who actually had us in their meeting and they were telling us, <laughs> I'm even afraid to use the word, how spiritually infertile we were. They used a worse word than that. Yeah. They were analyzing us. You know, I never understood why we've been persecuted so much. I mean, all we're doing is to preach. That's all. I'm not killing anybody. I'm not robbing any bank. And if anything, people should be happy that a young man like me is trying to follow God. Hey, Maria, it was bad, man. For years I never understood. It's only when I read this. Revelation goes with persecution. But you see, when you stick it out, I'm so glad we stuck it out. Because we experienced the anointing which is sustaining us from today. All right now, here we go.
So don't backslide. Some of you doesn't matter. Don't backslide. Pay the price. Suffer. I know the Amen Salona, they are, they are sort of mooted because Kibuaka are suffering. Suffer. You'll never know the anointing if you don't pay the price. In fact, when you read the New Testament, the church was at its most powerful when it was persecuted. I'm telling you. When people persecute the church, that's when we become strong. That's what Paul was saying in the scripture we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Go back there. Go back there. Go back there. 2 Corinthians 12 from verse 7. Go back there. Verse 8 he says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Next verse. Each time the Lord said, my grace is all you need. I'm not going to take it away. You, you just need my grace. Uttaring, my power works best. <laughs> when you are persecuted. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10, verse 10. He says, that's why I take pleasure. Oh, I smile when they persecute me. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in hardships and in persecution and in trouble that I suffer for Christ. Why, Paul? For when I'm weak. Ah, when I'm weak. And I'm strong. When they push you and persecute you, it's bitter, but it's a sweet smell to God. That's when you become strong. And then when you looked over from the table of showbread and looked in front, there was the golden incense altar. Wow. The incense here would burn 24-7. This room, as you can see, was very small. So therefore, the incense that burned filled up the room. That leads us to key number six. Incense in the Bible speaks of worship. So key number six to the anointing is worship. Now watch this, you love this. Bible scholars tell us this. That the kind of incense that was used here by Moses is the same kind that is used today by the Arabs in the Middle East. The Arabs use this incense even now as we speak because when they light it up, as it burns, it drives away scorpions and snakes. Worship will drive away scorpions and snakes. Ah, you are not hearing what I'm saying. In Luke 10, 19, Luke 10, 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and, and over all the power of the enemy. He says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But Alana, when we worship in church, that's why when we worship, you see demons screaming. You see things happening. 
Why? Because incense drives out the serpents and the scorpions. Jesus. Now watch. As the priest entered, because this place was so small, the whole place would be so full of smoke that all they, they could barely see, they could at least see the lampstand, but they could barely see these other things because of the smoke. But then, with fear, they're coming to the final stage to come into the Holy of Holies to come and offer. But they're so afraid because they know if they go in there and they do something wrong, they're going to die. Here they have a rope tied to their foot and their leg. They have barrels that are at the bottom of their garments that are ringing and shouting and making noise. And the people who couldn't enter who were outside only listened to the ringing of the bells to know that the brother is still alive. And so with fear and trembling, watch, 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 watch. This is important. Watch, 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 watch. As he opens the curtain, the smoke comes into the Holy of Holies. In other words, be, 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 before he enters, the, 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 the worship goes in there. And there he is now in the presence of God. But watch. What is the seventh and final key? It's not there in Exodus. God waits until the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16. Watch this. Let's have it up on the screen. Watch. He has the priest in the Holy of Holies. He's trembling. He's afraid. He is in the throne of God, in the presence of God, but he's shaking. He's afraid. He may make a mistake. He might just die. But God says, not so with the priests in the New Testament. Not so with the priests in the New Testament. With them, I'm inviting them. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may doubt what? That we may, that we may what? That we may what? That we may what? That we may what? And find what? When? When? When we need it. When we need it. But the key, key number seven, is boldness. You want to walk in the anointing? Be bold about who God says you are. Be bold about who God says you can do. Be bold about what God has assigned you to do. And when you become bold, the anointing will flow. Can I hear an amen in the house? 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 We come boldly because Jesus has died on the cross for us. We come boldly because the blood has washed our sins away. We come boldly because God has made us his children. 
we come boldly and we can exercise boldness and we can walk in the power of God and we can see boldness in manifestation. Watch this, Barcelona. This is what I'm learning. I was talking about it last week at the prayer meeting. I learned this. I knew it, but it wasn't. It became more revelation last week. Many times we pray for things. And we end in praying. And yet there are times when you need to stop praying, you must start declaring. Yeah. Ah, you're not here. Let's have up on the screen. Yeah, they're ready for me. I want, I want you to have Acts chapter 3 in the meantime. See, very often I've even found in prayer, sometimes there are things that we pray for, but there's a time when you need to stop praying and you need to talk to the mountain. And listen, it takes boldness to do that. Today we had the leadership seminar, summit, whatever we call it, something. And I was telling the pastors that, you know, God has spoken to me about this for many years. Even about this winter seminar, God spoke to me. Your night list is not that far back. But you know about teaching and doing the leadership summits, I must be honest with you. I took a while. I didn't think it's going to work. Hmm. But you know when I finally said enough is enough, I'm going to be bold to start. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? But Salana, to do the work of God, you need boldness. Some of you, you know, yesterday I laughed. We, somebody was being prayed for here in the church. And somehow they were not manifesting something. They were not getting free. And I was watching my people there. <laughs> and I was very interested to see what they're going to do. I even came in and watched what they were doing. And I laughed in my heart. Karajobonangwanawak. And the next thing I can do to come Rakwale, one of them comes out of wood. <laughs> and I said to them, I'm not coming. Well, I'm foot. I get a little policy. Come on now, don't look at me like that. I get a little policy. I said, use your in fact I haven't even followed up to hear what were the results. I'm cu- I'm curious to know. But you see, Basanan, there comes a day. When you have to just say, enough is enough. I'm standing up with boldness. Now Peter and John, note, went up together at the temple in the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour. Can we have the New Living Translation? The New Living Translation. So Peter and John, they went out one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Yeah. <laughs> Next verse, keep going. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth, <laughs> being carried in, each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. Not look at God. Ah, you're not here. Look at us. 
Some of you, you think it's humility to, to do that. But if God says, you cast out the devil. He said, you, you, you go. Read the Bible. See how they prayed for people. See how Paul prayed for people. See how Peter prayed for people. He said, look at us. He's not saying us as in me by myself, but us as one who is in Christ. Look at us. Next verse. The lame look at them, eagerly expecting some money. <laughs> but Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. Mara. Mara, I will give you what I have. Some of you, you don't know what you have. You are too humble to realize that you are carrying something. When you are carrying the anointing. You are busy afraid when you have something. He says, what I have, I give to you. He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Look at the next verse. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand. In other words, when he said, get up and walk, the guy didn't stand. You know, I've seen it when I pray for the sick. You have to be like this. I'm telling you. You have to be like this. You have to have a boldness to say, eyes open. Ears open. Devil, come out. Boldness. Boldness. And the anointing only gets manifested. Peter takes the guy, lifts him up by the right hand. And the man's feet and ankles were instantly Hear it and boldness. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I want the King James Bible. Acts chapter 4. I want it in the King James Bible. I want to show you something about this boldness thing as we close. Acts chapter 4 from verse 7. So Peter and John. When the leaders saw what had happened, they were unhappy with them. So the Bible says they, they laid hands on them, Babatswara, and they brought them to the council of religious leaders. See, people don't like to see the power of God in action. It says, and when they had set Peter and John in the midst, these are the religious leaders, they asked, by what power? <laughs> or by what name have you done this? Verse 8. And Peter uh, filled with the anointing said to them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he has been made whole? Be it known unto you all that, to all people in Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. He's going back to the what you call. Whom God raised from the dead. Even by him. Does this man stand straight before you? And he's standing home. 
Keep going. This is the stone which was set to naught of you builders, which has become the chief or the head cornerstone. Keep going. Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. Oh, Barcelona. Listen to the preaching. He's talking about the different colors of Jesus. Verse 13, when they saw, the boldness of Peter and John, and realized that these guys are ignorant and unlearned men, they marvel. People are going to marvel. I said people are going to marvel. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Let me have that in the New Living Translation, that verse 13 there. I love it in the New Living Translation. The way it says it, it's just amazing. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training in the scripture. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So let me conclude, Barcelona. Boldness is the seventh key. Key number one, Jesus in his fullness. Key number two, the blood of Jesus. Key number three, the word of God. Key number four, revelation knowledge. Key number five, persecution. Key number six, worship. Key number seven, boldness. Watch. Watch. How does the anointing fill your life? Know Jesus in his fullness. Know his word. Know his blood. Know his word. Know his revelation. And because of his revelation knowledge, you will be persecuted. But when they persecute you, it will cause you to worship. And worship will make you bold. I see you anointed. I said, I see you anointed. And God says we can walk in the fullness of his anointing. And so today when you see people talk about anointing, there's no Jesus. There's no blood, there's no word, there is no revelation. Services that go on and on, not one verse was read. Not one scripture was quoted. Not one time was Jesus magnified. Even what is said there, you can't trace it anywhere into the word. Then I wonder. But you can walk in the fullness of his anointing. Join hands with your neighbor and begin to pray in the spirit this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Pray in the spirit.